All right, I want to talk this morning about community, um, the necessity of community, the importance of community. Uh, now, to some degree, I may be speaking to the choir since we are gathered here together in community, but I don't think we fully understand how much God has embedded community into every aspect of the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to look at today. Uh, community is typically defined as a group of people with a common characteristic or common interest, and they come together around that characteristic or interest. But a biblical community is not just, uh, uh, does not just involve the horizontal relationships we have with each other. It also involves a vertical relationship with the head, which is Christ. And it's that vertical relationship that defines the horizontal relationships we have with one another. Amen? Do we understand that? And so, um, it's interesting as I was studying community and looking into this topic, that uh, our, uh, some of our founding fathers actually saw the importance of community and to put that into the, the bedrock of our nation. In fact, Benjamin Franklin had a strong belief in citizenship, and he believed it was important for people to be part of something bigger than themselves for the benefit of others. Too many times we're involved in things for ourselves and we don't care about the benefit of others, right? Um, obviously, in many ways, we've become a very selfish nation, but, but um, he was interested in citizenship because he saw the benefit of people serving people. In fact, that's why he created the Volunteer Fire Department, so, so people could gather together and serve the community for, for the common good or, or the professional constable organizations, so people could gather together for the common good of the community. I also found this interesting. I don't think we'd ever do this today, but anyway, um, he created book clubs where people would gather together to read books. They get knowledge and information out of those books, and they turn that around and use it to bless the community. And so, anyway, I, I just found it interesting that that was kind of part of the heart of our founding fathers. But when, when we talk about community from a biblical sense, we can go all the way back to creation. In Genesis 1.26, it says this, Then God said, Let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, according to our likeness, plural. Adam's very being was a copy of the divine nature, and that divine nature was plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Genesis 2.18, uh, it's, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now think about that. In, in, in paradise itself, it seems that Adam needed something more. He had no one to communicate with, no one to talk to, no one to serve, no one there to be for him. And so God created Eve. And, and God also gave Adam and Eve the ability to procreate for the purpose of adding more people to the earth because God had a heart for the community of people. Just a, an, a, 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 a social injustice aside, social injustice rage aside maybe, um, the idea that the earth is overpopulated is really a hoax to control people. They see people as a detriment. God sees people as a blessing. God sees people as a resource for the betterment of mankind. Anyway, that's my little short social injustice rage. It's over with. 
we, we can move on. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Am I still booming? Booming. All right, well, um, this particular, or these particular verses speak to the fact that it's the seedbed of community, two people coming together to help one another. In Psalm 133, verses 1 and 3, uh, the writer of Psalm says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together or to live together in unity. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life evermore. David believed it was good and pleasant for believers to gather together in the unity of the faith. In fact, that word good that he uses there is the same word that God used when he looked at each day of creation and said, it is good. And so, um, and it's also interesting in, in, in Psalm 133 that it was in the setting of community that the Lord pronounced the blessing of everlasting life. Now, as you go into the New Testament, we continue to see the same theme through Scripture. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus himself said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. The gathered church invites the presence of God in a way I believe that is not possible just as an individual. And I'm not saying you can't experience the presence of God as an individual, but there's a dynamic that happens when the church gathers together and the presence of God comes. In fact, our salvation itself uh, begins with community. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, it says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. When we started our walk with God, we became a part of something bigger than ourselves. Unfortunately, however, some believers today feel like it's not necessary uh, to gather together uh, with the church. Now, I, I, and I just don't believe that was ever God's intent. Um, we all face extenuating circumstances when we can't gather together, but I believe God's heart is for the church to gather together as a community. In fact, I remember when we were wrestling with this COVID-19 virus back in the day, uh, we shut the church down for a little bit, trying to sort out what we needed to do, and it became really obvious to us that God called the church to gather together. Regardless of what we might face as a nation, as a people, God has called his church to gather together. In fact, in 1 John 3, 11, it says, love one another. 1 Thessalonians, comfort one another. Be hospitable to one another. Be kind to one another. Be devoted to one another. Be subject to one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. None of these things can be done alone. It is only accomplished in the context of the gathered church, the gathered body of Christ. In Acts 2, 42, speaking of the church in, in, in the book of Acts, it says that they, the, the people of God, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every believer, I, I believe, back in the early church, understood 
the importance of gathering together with other believers. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, and let us consider, let's take time to think about, consider, pause on, reflect, how to stimulate one another. Have you ever, did you come in here on Sunday morning with, with, the, with the thought in your mind, how can I stimulate my brother and sister in Christ? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. If we're going to effectively stimulate, encourage one another in our walk with the Lord, we must gather together as the local church. But, you know, it's not just attending a meeting. It's actively involving yourselves with other believers. You can come here Sunday morning and sit in a chair and praise God and all that stuff, but then walk right out the door after it's over and never have any interaction with another believer. I don't think that's really the definition of community, just being present. I think community involves us being involved with one another. We're not here for ourselves. We've been called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, just consider for a moment worship itself. Um, the idea of community is reflected in the importance of corporate worship. In Psalm 122, verse 1, uh, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to church on Sunday. Hmm. Anyway, um, I believe corporate worship invites uh, the presence of, of the Lord and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. I believe God, and someone mentioned this earlier, but I believe God sits on the praises of his people. He enjoys the praises of his people. He enjoys it when his people gather together to praise and worship him and pray together. Corporate worship, I believe, invites the eternal weight of God's glory. Now, let me just say this as an aside for a moment. Um, I believe that verbalizing our worship audibly by adding our voice to corporate worship is a weapon that God has given us to combat the enemy. If you come in here and you're depressed or you're fearful or you're anxious or whatever it is you might be struggling with, um, I believe if you audibly join your voice to worship, it can change your internal uh, environment, your internal condition, and move you to a place of victory that you might not have been able to attain by yourself without speaking out and praising God audibly in the gathering of God's people. In fact, I've, I've talked about this before, but David, David in, in the Scriptures talks about taking command of his soul. Have you ever thought about taking command of your soul? Sometimes I have to slap myself in the face. And... Anyway, um, in Psalm 43, 5, David says this, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Come on, soul, what's the problem? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. There is a place to take charge of your soul and say, Soul, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how miserable you are, but I'm going to open my mouth, my mouth and praise God this morning. And I believe that effort in and of itself 
of releasing audible praise and thanksgiving to God can change who you are and what you're going through inside and can, ra- and can turn around your whole condition and your whole out- outlook on life. So uh, I would just encourage people to participate in uh, corporate worship, not just be here. Um, I believe you can also see the importance of community uh, in prayer as well as you can in worship. Um, Prayer, I think, is more than just a solitary activity. Uh, In fact, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. The Lord's Prayer starts with my Father, our Father who art in heaven. It's not my Father, it's our Father. It speaks of our walk together with others in the body of Christ. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to God together, and we're offering praise and worship and thanksgiving to Him. Now, I believe every believer should have an individual prayer life, but I also believe that we should have a corporate prayer life. Um, Somebody said this. It may have been Pastor Aaron in, in one of our house church meetings. He said this, when people pray together, it produces unity and a vulnerable connectedness with others. As you pray together with people over and over again, you begin to be vulnerable and you become connected with those you're praying with and this opens up something in your heart. And so I just would encourage you, if you're not involved in some type of corporate prayer meeting, to um, consider joining one. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, speaking again of the early church, it says, all these with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Again, the devotion to prayer was in the context of the gathering together of other believers. Acts 4.31, it says this, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. This response from the Lord did not take place as a result of individual prayers. It was invited by the church assembled together to pray. And the Lord came, the Holy Spirit came, and it shook the house in which they were praying in. Now, wouldn't we like to see that here? God come and shake the house as a result of our prayers. Consider for a moment um, Peter, when Peter was arrested, uh, and how the church responded to Peter's arrest in Acts chapter 12. And verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Um, and then after, uh, it, the Bible talks about how um, um, the Lord sent an angel to lead people out, Peter out of the prison. And um, it, it says this, after his miraculous escape from prison, Acts 12, 12 says, And he went to the house of Mary, where many were gathered together, and praying. Now, I believe he went to the house of Mary because he knew that's a place where the church gathered together and there would be people there praying. And so he went to Mary's house. Um, And I believe it's the unified prayer of the church gathered together that moved the heart of God and uh, God sent an angel to take Peter out of prison. There's just power when the church comes together and pray. There's There's something about agreement, coming together and agreeing over something as the church. Um, In in Matthew 18, 19, it says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done by them 
by my Father who is in heaven. Let me read that again. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. That's an incredible promise that God has given to us. Do we understand the, 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 the nature of what God has given to us as a church? If we come together in agreement, God will move heaven and earth on our behalf. Now, I, 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 maybe I should offer a little bit of a, I don't know, not a disclaimer, but um, God does say in 1 John that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears our prayers, and we know we have the answer to those prayers. Now, too many times we throw up prayers without really determining or asking, God, is, is it your will to answer this prayer? And so I think there's a real place to take time and seek God's heart to know what God's heart is so we know if we're offering a petition to the Lord that he can answer. And if we do pray according to his will, which we take time to figure out, then we know we have absolute faith, absolute confidence that when we pray that prayer, he hears it and he's going to answer it. Amen? All right. I believe the church is weakened when any one member decides not to be a part because we need one another. Every member plays a significant part in moving the church forward spiritually. Another area where I think we've misunderstood the concept of community is when it comes to the Word of God. Um, and I've said this before as well. I think sometimes we have over-individualized Christianity. Uh, many believers believe that they can interpret scriptures individually apart from both the historical church and the local church. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't speak to us personally. God does speak to us personally. God's opened up many scriptures to me as I've read and studied them. Um, but understanding how the church has historically interpreted scripture can help us sometimes to avoid deception. Being a part of a local body and, and, and bouncing ideas back and forth off of one another can help us avoid deception. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, But I know this, first of all, that no prophecy is a matter of one's own personal interpretation. We need the full counsel of God, and that counsel is found in His church. I need what God shows you, and you need what God shows me. And I have been amazed uh, as I'll see one thing in a particular Bible verse or passage of Scripture, and then I talk to someone else, and they see something totally different that complements and expands that which I have seen in the Holy Spirit revealed to me. And so there's, there, there's just an incredible need that we have for one another, even in our interpreting and understanding of the Word of God. We need each other's insights into the Word to gain a fuller understanding of God, the ways of God, and I believe to help us not go, fall away into deception. Now, our responsibility as a church gathered together does not end with worship and prayer and the Word. In Romans 15, 5, it says this, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. Each of us is to please his neighbor for my good, his good, his edification. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. You know, those are 
Those are pretty strong Bible verses. I believe we've been placed in the church not just for our own personal growth, but to be an encouragement and a blessing and a help to others. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. And we need one another. What would it be like if every Sunday morning or every time we went into our small group meeting or something, we came in with the idea that I'm, I'm not just here to receive, but I'm here to give. What can I do to bless somebody else? What can I do to encourage somebody else? What can I do to release a word, a, a prophetic word, or, or just a word of encouragement, or just put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, hey, I was thinking about you, or um, uh, uh, take a Bible verse and read a Bible verse to them as a, as a way to encourage them. Just think of how the body of Christ would be built up if each of us had that goal when we gathered together of, as not just seeing that we're here, not just being here for ourselves, but seeing that we are here in the body of Christ for the purpose of edifying and building up and encourage other believers in Jesus Christ. Um, I, I believe that every believer has an aspect of God's glory that must be shared with others or we all lose out. Every believer has an, a unique aspect of God's grace that they've been given, a unique, a unique aspect of God's glory, a unique understanding of God and, and the ways of God. And, and the rest of the church needs that. We desperately need one another. 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it, in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you know that you are to be a steward of God's grace? We're stewards of his grace. And we need to consider what we're doing with the grace of God that he's imparted to us. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. In fact, that word employ means to be a servant or an attendant or to wait upon a table as a servant would wait upon a table at a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant, you want your waiter to be attentive, right? Keep my water filled. Bring my dinner hot. Did you ever think that we are in need of the same attention in the church? That we're here for one another. We're not just here to fulfill our own selfish desires and our own selfish motives. We're here to encourage one another, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, to encourage one another in our walk with the Lord, to build up one another, edify one another. We've been given two great commandments. What's the first one? With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as your self. Now, I, I, I love myself. Most of us do. We're very kind to our flesh. We take care of ourselves. We make sure we're comfortable. But I think God's calling us to more than just being concerned with our own comfort. That we be concerned with the comfort of one another. I know there's people here this morning that need encouragement. I know there's people here this morning that are going through some difficult times. And sometimes they just need someone to come up 
and put their arm around their shoulder and say, it's okay. God is good. God's with you. We desperately need each other, and we need the unique grace of God that he's deposited in each and every one of us. You know, you can see, or another area where we can see how God is embedded community in the kingdom uh, is, um, is in the distribution of spiritual gifts. God has distributed his spiritual gifts among believers such that I believe we need one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, but to each one, is everybody here in each one? Yes. Everyone here is in each one. But to each one is given the manifestation, the revelation of the Spirit for the common good. We've been given the Spirit of God, not just for ourselves, but for the common good. When a believer separates themselves from the local church, they deprive the church of the unique grace that God has given them. Their, their gifting at that point is not available for the common good. Now, I would encourage even those who attend church regularly, um, sometimes we come in here, but we do not recognize the rich deposit of God's grace and glory that is placed inside of us. We do not see that we have a purpose or that we have anything to offer. And, and I think when we have that kind of attitude, the church misses out on the work of the Holy Spirit in, in, in their lives and the gifts that God's deposited in them, and the grace that God has given to them. And so if the enemy is trying to tell you that you have nothing to offer, it's a lie. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you just as much as anybody else has the Holy Spirit. And I believe the gifts and callings of God are available to every believer. Every believer the Bible talks about being a, um, an earthen vessel in which he has deposited a rich treasure. We have a rich treasure inside us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So everybody here has something to offer the rest of the church. So do not withhold the grace that God has given you from the body of Christ. Do not squander the grace that God has given you. Allow him to use it to bless others. God also gave people as a gift to the church. In uh, um, Ephesians 4.11 it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as pastors, uh, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Again, the equipping and the building up of the saints takes place in the context of the local church gathered together. Now, to what end do we gather together? Verse 13 tells us, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. We're gathered together to build up one another in our faith. We're gathered together to provoke one another onto spiritual maturity. We're gathered together to bring the full expression of Christ where each member is releasing the glory that God has deposited in them. And the result of that is verse 14. And as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, 
by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects, all aspects into him who is the head, which is Christ. And then it goes on in verse 16 and says, from whom the whole body being fitted together, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Again, from, the, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, who the joints? We're the joints. According to the proper working of each individual part, who are the individual parts? We are the individual parts. Why do we have to function properly? So the, the body grows and matures spiritually. Again, I would just encourage us to not hold back what God has given you. Not see that you're insignificant, but to understand your importance in the eyes of God. God loves you, God's called you, God's chosen you, God's appointed you. He's deposited his spirit in you. He's adopted you into his family. We're heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. That's who we are. We have a high calling in our lives. And the church needs every individual part to be functioning properly for the church as a whole to be healthy. So let me just... Um, let me just kind of conclude with a few thoughts here. I believe a great part of the joy that we're going to experience in heaven is not just the presence of the Lord, as awesome as that is, but I believe it's also the presence of one another. That we, the church, are there together through all the things we've been through in life. We're there together before the Lord in His presence, worshiping Him. And so I think there's joy found not only in the presence of God, but in the presence of one another. In 1 Peter 2.5, it says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Who are the living stones? We're living stones. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, individually, we are a random collection of stones. But fit together, we're a spiritual house that God is instructing for his own habitation. Amen? The church is not living stones scattered about doing their own thing. That's just a pile of rubble. It doesn't really serve any purpose. Together, though, we are a key to God being able to reveal himself and his love to the world around us. John 13, 35 says, but this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples by the love we have for one another. I personally believe God is looking for more than just personal freedom and personal breakthrough in our lives. And as we learn to pray together, worship together, study the word together, break bread together, fellowship together. It invites the presence of the Holy Spirit into our gatherings, and we become conduits that bring heaven to earth.
And so I don't know if I've communicated this uh, well or not, but I just believe there's something significant about a body like this coming together to worship and praise God. Being there not just for our vertical relationship, but being there also for the horizontal relationships that he's established here to encourage one another, comfort one another, help one another, be a source of life to one another. To release the unique grace and calling that God has placed in every individual life here. Just think of how full we would be if every individual here was sharing and releasing the unique aspect, unique aspect of God's grace and gifting that he's placed inside of us. So here's my challenge for us this morning. Um, I don't know if I should do this or not, but anyway, I, I know this is somewhat embarrassing. Yes, uh-oh. But take time and look around for a moment. Just look around the room. I mean, swivel your head, yes, but you have an old head, turn the whole body around. Look, look at one another. This room is filled with people who carry the life of God. So as you, as you look around, and not just in this moment, maybe as we get up toward the end here and you get up and you can actually turn around and look around, um, ask God if there's someone in this room that you can go up to and encourage or pray for or put your arm around or just read them a Bible verse. There are people here who need the love of another flesh and blood individual. And so I just do not leave the building this morning um, without releasing a blessing to somebody else. Just go up to them and ask them, can I pray for you? That's all you got to do. In fact, you know, sometimes people ask me to pray for them because they, they want to hear something from the Lord. And I'm thinking, God, I don't have anything from the Lord. <laughs> but when I start to pray for them, God begins to open up something in my heart, in my mind. And I can begin to speak words of prayer or blessings to build them up and to lift them up in the Lord. And so, you don't have to have anything ahead of time. You just need to start. You just need to start. You know, a rowboat doesn't go anywhere until you put your oar in the water. And so, let me just encourage you, do not leave here today without talking to someone to encourage them. And... Um, I also want to encourage our, our teens and our young adults. Your age is not a hindrance to the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. You have as much authority to speak in Christ as I do or anybody else does. You don't have a, a baby Holy Spirit or a junior Holy Spirit or a teenage Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. <clears throat> and don't be intimidated by the older fogies in the church. Hey, I'm there. Ask God if he has something 
for someone and release it. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager, doesn't matter if you're a young adult, who you are, please see the value of the deposit of God's grace inside of you and speak to someone else, share with someone else, pray for someone else, encourage someone else. Do not, do not squander what God has for you. Amen? Do not, there's a need to be bold. To be bold, to walk past the uncomfortable. To not be afraid of being embarrassed. I'm afraid of being embarrassed. In fact, I told the Lord, Lord, I don't want to get up there this morning. If, If I don't have anything from you, just let me sit down. I, I just. Yeah, I did. Um, so, um, God loves each and every one of us here today. God has something for each life here. Um, I. I want to, um, before uh, Brian closes us in prayer this morning, I want to ask David Flagg to come on up. David has a unique heart for the Lord, and I would just like him to perhaps invite us into a, a relationship with Christ or whatever the Lord has placed on his heart. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Rock Melbourne and everybody here that's visiting. And, you know, I thank God. It's a privilege and an honor to be up here and speak before you all right now. And I just want to speak the good news of Jesus Christ to each and every individual here and all of us together as one body in Christ. And if you don't believe in Jesus' mighty name, that's the best thing you ever do. Come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and be set ablaze for him and walk in the plans and the purpose that he has spoken and called for you before you were even born. And he has great plans and a purpose for each and every one of us, but he wants us to step into that. So, you know, I'm going to share, you know, my heart. And my heart, I thank God he transformed my heart to have his heart. And I love each and every one of you so much. And God desires us all to come into believing and receiving him as Lord and Savior, Son, Jesus Christ. You know, I tried to live life apart from Christ. I've tried to go through the Greek mythology, the third eye opening, believing in many false gods, so many different things. Uh, doing drugs to try to open up my eyes, so many different things, being addicted, uh, feeling, you know, apart from God that he hated me if he did exist, throwing the Bible to the side, not wanting anything to do with it, not wanting anything to do with God if he exists. My dad died stage four cancer. My mom became, you know, a drug addict and 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 an alcoholic because of that, you know, so just growing up in the dysfunctional uh, of my family, going through so many different things, you know, But God stepped in, and he came and he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I'm here to tell you today, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he can sympathize with us. He can sympathize with our weaknesses, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing that you have done that that is too bad for Christ. There's nothing that you have been through that is too much for him, that he went to that cross for you. And I'm calling 
calling up an altar call today that if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you want to be saved, set free, delivered, if you want to be set on the path, the right path, the true path, because there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, but it leads to destruction. See, our own plans lead to destruction, but the plans of God lead to life. For Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus Christ came to give life and life abundantly. If you want abundant life, and I'm not talking about riches, fame, this and that. I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, getting the wisdom of God within you so you could go out there and you could be able to provide for your family, that you could go out there and be able to have wisdom to do the right thing, make the right choices, to love one another, stir one another up in good works. See, God is so good to each and every one of us. You have breath in your lungs today. You're alive and breathing. You're still here for a purpose and a plan. Some of you may feel heavy. Some of you may feel suicidal, depressed, feeling like you just can't amount to nothing, feeling like God ain't there for you. Well, he's there for you. I've been through those feelings of depression, suicide, trying to kill myself multiple times, feeling like God hated me, feeling like I just can't go talk to nobody. Nobody's going to understand. Well, there's people that love you, that care about you. Speak to somebody. Speak out. Let, let, let us pray for you. You know, find somebody around you that could love on you. There's a bunch of great men and women of God here that would love to pray for you from the prayer team to the, to the elders, to the pastors, to other people here that just want to love you into the kingdom. God loves you so much. If there's anything you need prayer for right now, I'm asking you to come up. Jesus Christ loves you. If there's anything you're going through that you want prayer for, come up. Come receive prayer. Come receive the love of God. He loves you so much. He went to that cross for you with thorns on his head. He had nails driven through his hand. He bore that cross, walked it all the way up to Calvary for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He had a spear driven through his side. It was, it, it was not no little death. This is a big deal, y'all. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he did that for you, that you can have freedom, restoration. He wants to bring healing to the families, to the marriages, to the children. And it, it, it takes it right now because today is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Today things could change. Things could shift in your marriage and your family and, and everything that you're going through. Jesus Christ wants to move mountains in your life. But he says he wants us to have faith. Let us step up in faith right now. If you have anything that you need prayer for, Come up. I want to ask the, 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 the prayer team to come up and, and, and just embrace anybody that, that wants prayer, that wants to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to be set ablaze for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who wants to call us all out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm not saying when we come up here, everything's just going to be perfect after that because it's not. We're all going to face trials and tribulations in life, but Jesus Christ wants to help us through every trial and tribulation. It's better to go through it with him than without him. I tried going through it without him, and it left me depressed. It left me unsatisfied. It left me hurt. It left me in shame. It left me in guilt. It left me in selfishness. It left me in pride. It left me in drugs. It left me in alcohol. It left me apart from the body of Christ. But when I stepped up and I came with the loving body of Christ, and we all, you know, we're all going to go through things, but 
When I stepped up with the loving body of Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I started to do it with community, with family, other believers, I was strengthened. When I jumped out of prison June 18th of 2018, God called me to come out here and preach the good news of his gospel, to share my testimony, to share the things that he delivered me from. There's nothing that you have done that Jesus says he does not love you. He does not love sin. He hates sin. But he loves each and every individual here. He loves us all together as one body. So there's nothing too big you have done. So if you need prayer, I just want to invite you up. If you want to, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, it takes that faith step to say, okay, Jesus, I tried to do it by myself. I tried to do it in, in, in my own works. I tried to do it separate from you, but God, I need you right now to help me, to shift my life, to change my life, that I could understand who you are, that I could grow in that intimate, personal relationship with you, that you are the king of glory, that you are the one and only true God, that there's no one else that could save me. And I want to do this with your people. I want to do this not apart from your people, but with your people together, as Pastor Gary was speaking today. Like, this is such a powerful message that was spoken, how God wants us to come together in unity, joined together as one body who loves one another, who stirs one another up in good works, who helps one another, picks one another up instead of bashing one another when they're, you know, going through a hard moment in life. You know, so God wants us to come together in that love and good works. And if you don't believe in that and you need help believing that, because even in the Bible they pray, Lord, help my unbelief. We face doubt, unbelief, all different type of things due to circumstances and trials and tribulations that we face in life. But Jesus Christ wants us to be helped by him and helped by one another. And we could do this together. We could fight this good fight together. I tried doing it alone. It did not work out. It did not work out. But I love you all so much. God bless you all. It was a privilege and an honor to be able to speak to every one of you today and to those who don't even believe Jesus wants you to believe because he is so good. He loves you so much. He wants the best for you. And that is denying yourself, picking up the cross, following after him. The plans and the purpose of God for your life are amazing or so great. He wants to fill you with love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. And he wants to set your feet on a path of light and no more darkness where you're stumbling in the dark. You know how many times where you know you're walking through your house and you're going to the bathroom at night and... My toe, oh my goodness. And, 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 and you just stumble because it's dark. But Jesus Christ wants to be the light for you in your life and your circumstances and your trials and tribulations and your hard times that you're facing where you'll be able to see that stumbling block the devil's putting up before you and that you could be able to walk around that stumbling block and trample on the devil's head and walk in victory as more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror because that's what he called us to. Not just conquerors, but more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus to be victorious victorious in Christ Jesus. God bless you all in Jesus' mighty name.